0: Welcome back to the Anchor Room, Rego here, and I'm excited for today's episode. We have been doing a missions-focused week here at UVA Chi Alpha, and this past MNL, we had one of our very own, a Chi Alpha UVA alumna, Melanie, come and share the word with us, and I have her here for our podcast. Say hello, Melanie. Tell us a little bit about who you are and an interesting fact about you.
1: Hi, everyone. Yeah, it's so good to be here. Um, I graduated in 2013 and I was a psych major, bioethics minor, just really interested in all kinds of things. I took all kinds of classes in all kinds of departments when I was a student. And As far as a fun fact, uh, many people don't know, my, my dad was in the military so I used to move a lot and I lived overseas when I was a kid. And one of the things I got to do when I was in Japan is um, they, they actually tagged me to do like some commercials and things like that, oh. even though I didn't know any Japanese, even though I was very obviously not Japanese. Um, yeah, I did some commercials and things. I have no acting ability and I knew it even as a kid that I like wasn't very good. But it's <laughs> a fun fact. I got to save up some money and uh, I got to like treat my family to Disneyland. Um, one wow. year. Very proud of as like a six or seven year old being able to do that.
0: Man, so we have a TV star with us in this podcast. Our podcast is going to get a bump this next week. <laughs> Thank you so much for gracing us, Melanie. It's so great to have you. Um, well, for those of you that missed MNL this past Monday, first of all, I want to encourage you to put this podcast on pause and go listen to the message at MNL. All right, now that you've come back, from that message, you see how time works here on podcast? Time's just re- relative here. Yeah, great. Now that you've come back and listened to, to, to that M&L, I definitely want to just have to, some time to talk to Melanie about the, the topic of missions. And for those of you that don't know, Melanie and her husband, Nick, have been missionaries in Central Asia. For the past three years. And so I want her to just kind of tell us a little bit about her mission field um, and her and their focus there. And so Melanie, tell us a little bit more about what you do and your heart for where you serve.
1: Sure. So I work with LiveDead Silk Road. Um, and if you guys know anything about Live Dead, it's very, um, Live Dead is like a missions methodology. And that methodology is very important in everything that we do and the way we think about what we are doing. So we are focused on going and planting churches in places that are some of the least reached and our methodology focuses on doing church in a way that is accessible to uh, local people and doing discipleship in such a way that local people who come to faith are brought into leadership and are equipped for sharing with others uh, as early as possible because we we're not looking to um have Western child style church in that part of the world, we're looking for people who love Jesus that can have an authentic expression of following Jesus. um, In their cultural context, we, we have felt that God has called us to come and work in this part of the world, and so we go and we do it, Mm -hmm. but we know that we are not the like there are so many barriers um, that come up in missions when you're not from that culture that. just more barriers someone has to overcome to follow jesus when the when the message is coming from the mouth of a foreigner Hmm. so we know that one of the best ways to see church planting movements see rapid expansions of the kingdom is to equip local people because a local person their family networks their knowledge of the culture their um, command of the language is going to be a lot easier for people to come to faith from in the mouth of one of their own people. So we go, um, but we're really focused on doing like the bare bones church and not bringing too much of the Western style into it. So that local people as they come to follow Jesus can kind of work out how, how can we express this in a way that is going to feel authentic to our culture and yet is in line with the word and um, glorifying Jesus.
0: Yeah, well due to the the sensitive nature of the area of the world that they serve in, we can't say the country that they serve in, but Melanie for for those that are listening, could you explain to us what we mean or what you guys mean when you when we say Central Asia and what area of the world, maybe if you could describe the people group that you serve and and the 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 people you minister to in this area.
2: Sure.
1: So uh, Live Dead Slip Road focuses on nine nations. So it's Turkey, Azerbaijan, and uh, every country that ends in Stan, basically. So that means Afghanistan, Pakistan, Turkmenistan, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan. So uh, those kinds of nations. And as you're hearing those, you hear that those are all majority Muslim nations. And it's uh, a mix of Turkic Turkic peoples and Persian peoples many different languages that are mixed in there and also just like ethnically there's um like if you're looking at turkey uh people from turkey look a certain way you go farther east you have people that are muslim in their faith but asian in how they look and so yeah it's just a real mix but central asia just kind of generally if you're thinking it's farther east than the middle east but farther west than the far east Mm. that middle kind of section kind of a part of the world that most people haven't paid much attention to, don't know that much about. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the part of the world that we serve in.
0: Yeah, no, thank you for describing that, because I think, yeah, many of us, like, I don't think I could name all the Stan countries in in Central Asia, you know, and and so that's an unfortunate effect of our ethnocentrism here in America. Um, But yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about the need, in Central Asia. So why have you and your husband, your family, given your life to this part of the world? Because it is a part, as we just mentioned, that many Americans don't know much about. And so when we think about missions, we often don't think about uh, this part of the world necessarily. We might you know, vaguely think of it, but tell us about the need there and why you guys have devoted your lives to this place. Yeah, so,
1: I mean, Central Asia, is the specific part of the world that I felt called to, and so that's how it got on my radar to start with. Um, my husband is that's not the way he—he he felt called to work with Muslims generally, which meant he could have gone to the Middle East, he could have gone to Africa, he could have gone even to parts of Europe. So he was really open to any part of the world. It was me that felt specifically interested in Central Asia. But as we, you know, as we look at the stats, as we look at the need, that actually. Even within, the, even within the Muslim world, there's actually a huge need in Central Asia. If you look at these stats, there's like one missionary for every 100,000 people in wow. Central Asia. Um, just you look at the, the access issue, the unreached nature of this part of the world is significant. I think it's second only to like Southeast Asia, which would mostly be India.
0: Wow. So, yeah, so in this, in the, in these areas of the world, even though there are different ethnicities and languages, the predominant religion is Islam, right?
1: Yes, although the expressions do change, um, like, the farther east you go, the more, uh, it's not, um, pure Islam, it's not, like, the standard practice of Islam, there's a lot of, uh, animism and things mixed in, Mm -hmm. like, the the local imam may also double as the local witch doctor like there's a, a mixing of the ancient kind of tribal religions mixed in with islam
0: yeah so almost a little bit like we would see with christianity in some like latin american countries i know that's uh, very true in, in many uh places where indigenous tribes have kind of thrown their own spin to christianity in places like South America and and stuff like that, and so you see similar things with Islam in this Central Asia places as as you as you get into I guess the far reach far uh, places that are uh, removed from the city centers and all that. So what I'm thinking is you guys are in a place that has many languages, many ethnicities, one missionary to every one hundred thousand people, so what language do you guys even focus on learning? Or is there even a focus on language? How do you guys even tackle those challenges of communication in a place that has so much need and so few personnel?
1: That is a wonderful question. I'm so glad that you asked. The the training team, so we, we started on a training team, which I highly recommend for anyone who is thinking about serving overseas. And the method that we used for our language learning um, it's called GPA, the Growing part, 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 Participator Approach. And it is designed to help you learn how to learn a language, not just learn a specific language.
2: Mm. And
1: it's wonderful. It was designed for, for workers like me. Mm. It's very relational and it's, there's a ton of culture stuff mixed in with language. So it's not just learning to speak the language. It's like going deep into what it means to be a person from this area and kind of being raised up in the culture like growing up of like this is what it means to be a Turk this is what it means to be from Afghanistan this is what it Mm -hmm. means so what's great about that is um you do actually really pick it up it's very organic you really can't um there's no pre-scripted like this like I can't I can't speak a full sentence in the language Mm -hmm. until I really have enough cultural background and knowledge that I can form it on my own organically Mm. Uh, so we speak you, I mean, people in the community watch us go from, you know, little baby, can't say but a couple of words and be like, now I speak like a two-year-old. Now I speak like a three-year-old. And they're like <laughs> encouraging you, like, wow. Yeah. Like, they're patient with you because you sound like a child. And they, instead of um, being like, oh, this foreigner, you know, they're like, oh, this is yeah. this is my foreigner. Like, I'm going to help this person. I'm going to teach them what it means to be from this community. Because um, it's very obvious that we uh, yeah, kind of that we need that help and that we're open and we yeah. want that. So yeah. I say all that to say, we learn the local language where, wherever we're at. And if we move locations, we have to learn the heart language. So mm-hmm. that's what's happened to us. We were serving in one area, we learned that language. Now we're moving mm-hmm. to the other end of our, mm-hmm. and we have to learn a language again. And mm-hmm. uh, where we're going, we have the option of learning the trade language but we're actually not going to learn the trade language, at least not at first. We're going to learn the local language, the heart language. Uh,
2: mm-hmm. because here's
1: the thing. like if we come, I'll just I'll I go ahead and go. The trade language and where we're going right, uh, right now is Russian. But that's a foreign mm-hmm. language. They, they use it mm-hmm. for trade. But if I go in trying to talk to people about Jesus in Russian, then I'm one more foreigner with one more foreign message.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If I go and I've learned their heart language and I learned their culture, it's speaking value mm-hmm. to them, people. And I'm far more likely to be able to um, build some trust and make some bridges and my actions and what I've done is going along with the message of what I am saying about God's love for these people. And it's, yeah. very, it's very possible that we will pick up and move again in a couple of years and we'll have mm-hmm. to do it again. But this method that we've learned of learning language builds the confidence that it's possible and doable and I don't even need someone who's trained as a teacher. I just need someone who's a native speaker and mm-hmm. literate, and that's wow. all I need to um, be able to learn local language.
0: Yeah, well, it's a good thing you have uh, some time studying bioethics here at UVA. I bet that comes in handy with all that, right? <laughs> that's a joke.
1: Being bioethics, so just think <laughs> through logic and um, right comes up
0: you know yeah no i just i man i just i'm gaining such a sense of appreciation for people like you because so i speak two languages but to me like learning a third language i would imagine having to be so immersed and so invested into it and then the thought of like putting in the time the effort for years into one language and then Feeling like the Lord's leading me somewhere else and all of a sudden I have to learn one language, potentially two languages, man, what a task that is alone, you know, of, of dedication and, um, and and that's why I'm so curious about this, because yeah, it's not just one specific, uh, one specific country or, or region, you know, it's about the people and, and sometimes the people aren't clearly defined by the borders right you know you might have uh, part of this people group on this side of the of the border of one country and part of this other people on this other side of the border and and sometimes these you know these borders were even designed by westerners not necessarily you know the ethnic people of that country and so I, that's why that question is so interesting to me um you know we've been talking about the people melanie i'd love to maybe Get some faces, so to speak, to these people. Could you share with us some stories of of what what these people are like, and, and maybe as you as you've served, uh, what have been some experiences that have stuck out to you that have stood out to you as you have served and ministered to these people, learned their language, be, become um, embedded in their con- in their culture? Um, what are some stories that stick out to you about them?
1: Sure. Well. The first thing that comes to mind is, um, the place that I was just serving, the people are so warm and so kind and so hospitable. Um, it really was a wonderful place to start. I think not every people group that I want to engage with in the future will be quite as open to foreigners. So maybe we'll be more burned or more guarded from foreign people for various reasons. But the place that I was serving, so kind, so open, so willing to come alongside me and help me and uh, the culture that i was just serving in adores children and mm-hmm. so my son uh, was treated so well and mm-hmm. really was kind of I mean, he went to preschool while we were in class a local preschool in the local language full immersion mm-hmm. and um i think he's gonna have some of the marks of that time his entire life in mm-hmm. a good way yeah. like I mean, I got I got a text message this morning from my neighbor who I dearly love and I'm still in contact with. I have a one of my closest friends from my last assignment. Her son just turned two last weekend, and she sent me videos of his birthday party and said, like, you know, I miss you so much. I wish you could have been here. Like, these are it's not it's not like a project that I'm going to do. These are people that I love that I do life with, and um, we talk about the. The way that I think about what I do is that, um, you know, as I was preaching the other day, like this treasure that what we have in Christ is so valuable, and when you go to this part of the world, the number of people that have even had a chance to hear Mm -hmm. is so small. Like, I lived in this big city; many, many people that I pass every day, and you just know, like any person that I share with, it is. It's probably the first time they've met a real Christian
2: mm.
1: and it's um, the first time they've ever heard the gospel from the mouth of someone who believes it. Mm. Um, often when you're first interacting with someone who's coming from an Islamic background they've only heard what the gospel is from other Muslims mm-hmm. and there's lots of misconceptions and lots of things that aren't true kind of mixed in with what whatever they've heard yeah. and so yeah. I find that a lot of times when I'm first talking to someone, um, there's a lot of rocks in the soil of all these things that they heard that are not true. So you spend actually sometimes like removing the rocks before yeah, you yeah. have a chance to see like, is the soil soft or not? Right. But it's like one story that came to mind as I was thinking, um, I got really close with my language teacher. shared like really deeply with her and we have talked about the gospel mm-hmm. in lots of different ways. And um, there's kind of two things that stand out for me with her. One of which was actually that um, men coming to the fields and seeing Christian families and seeing Christian husbands caring for their wives
2: Mm -hmm.
1: was um, the biggest thing that softened her heart to the gospel. Mm. Like all the women that wanted to spend time with her and share the gospel with her, like the husbands are the ones that like really allowed that to happen because she was really attracted to. fathers who were kind and patient with their daughters and um, saw clearly saw equal value with them husbands that were willing to um, love and serve their wives and mm. seeing this like just yeah respect and um, no abuse of power and things yeah. like that so that really opened her eyes really soft like she was amazed she 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 watched us very carefully so she'd watch couples on the street and she'd watch the Christian men turn their eyes away from looking at women. Um, and she said, I've never seen that. What is that? You guys really care about purity. Um, and it just it softened her heart so much the gospel, more so than any like, I give the men all the credit for all the opportunities that the women had to speak yeah. to her because um, I think her heart would have been more guarded otherwise. But she'd seen um, the oh. difference that Christ was making in their family life. Yeah, and then the other thing that I thought of with with this friend, um, her name's Zainab It's a very common name, so I think I can use it. Um, <laughs> she was asking me one time. I was talking about Jesus. I was talking about the difference that He's made in my life, and I was talking about how in the Bible there are poems and songs. And she's like, well, "There's nothing like that in the Quran." And I was like, "Well, like, we can talk about some of them." And she's like, "Can you tell me like a? Can you translate for me like an old Christian song?" Oldest one you can think of, and I was totally blinking. So I like came up with In Christ Alone, which I found out is actually not that old, but it's the one that like, came to mind. And so we were going through the lyrics. And at the end, you know, when it says like, No guilt in life, no fear in death, this is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: She, um, you know, she heard that and she said, Oh, that's different. Like mm-hmm. you guys do Aren't afraid of death. Like that is not, like that is totally unique to Christianity. I have never heard anything like that. Mm. Um, and that's that's actually where we had some of our deepest conversations was because wow. Islam doesn't provide that kind of security. Even the, mm-hmm. um, in fact, the most devout Muslims will say, um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, I'm trying my best. I hope my good outweighs my bad. Yeah. Right. I have no idea if I will be permitted into paradise. And even the yeah. idea of paradise in Islam is very different than in Christianity. We have this idea of this relational aspect of heaven. Yeah. And we're going to be with God and be with each other. Um, and mm-hmm. the idea of paradise in Islam is much more like every pleasure that you've denied yourself in this life, you get to have. Yeah. Um, relational aspect—the knowing of God and being known—is not really a part of that Islamic
2: mm-hmm.
1: God is very distant.
0: Wow, that that is so great. Thank you for sharing those stories. And you know, I just think it's so important that when we talk, especially about people we're ministering to overseas, that they just don't become numbers or these these vague ideas, or or you know. Uh, I want, I want our students to kind of hear stories about what it's like and, and what maybe some of the, the struggles or the big questions are. And that's why I ask you to give us a snapshot of these people, because what, what I'm hearing from you is that um, how we live our lives can be a testimony to the gospel, not just how we talk about the gospel, right? The fact that this language teacher of yours, not only just interacted with you, but even observed your husband and the other Christian men that she was around and saw a marked difference in how they lived their lives. They didn't have to preach to her the gospel for her to notice that there's something different about these people. And then, you know, for them to, for, for as you build this trust with her, that she was able to even connect with you with this song and just hearing this biblical truth about who God is, that is just so beautiful that as we live life embedded into a culture that how we live our lives will preach the gospel just as much as how we actually preach the gospel to the people that we minister to. And then I bring that up also because I think it's important for many of us on this side of the globe to consider how we're living our lives. And, you know, for many people who might even be considering ministry or, or overseas missions. I'd love to hear what you would have to say to them about things they can do on this side of the globe it, while they're you know in their formation period. They might still be in college. Some of our students might, might uh, be considering this next step, but what are some things that you would tell them as they consider this journey to missions?
1: When I think back on my own time as a student, um... I you know I didn't actually feel called to work overseas till after my time being a student, but I did a lot of things while I was a student that um, put into practice things that I do all the time now. This is this is something I tell students often. Like the kaialfa life, the way you learn to live life, um, is is the missional life. And so I think my question for you guys would be, how are you living missionally now? Like. Do you regularly um, ask God for insight into who in your life, who yeah. in your classes, who in your hall you can be pouring into? Um, are you actively um, sharing your faith? Are you involved in discipleship? Are you um, like praying for those that are lost on your campus, um, in your family? And I think, um, you know, one thing my dad actually really challenged me on my first year at EBA. Um, I was talking to my dad. I was so excited to be involved in Chi It was really the first time I had a really deep, authentic Christian community
2: mm.
1: years. And my dad just said, you know, Melanie, I'm so pleased that you have all these Christian friends. But like, do you have any friends that aren't Christian? Um, he saw that I was maybe being so, so involved in the Christian community that it was limiting. Um, I was not engaging with the other populations on campus. And I'm not like, every bit of my being plugged into Chi Alpha was good and helpful in my formation. So, And it's a unique season. So I think it's really good to do that. Mm -hmm. But I think there can be times where because we all understand each other and we have the same worldview, it can become a place where you're avoiding opportunities to engage with other worldviews. And so I'm not saying don't go deep in Chi Alpha, don't do community, yes, do it. But if you find yourself not taking opportunities when you have them in classes, on grounds, in your dorm, that kind of thing, Right. Um, that you're maybe intimidated by engaging with other worldviews. That's a different story.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that that's such a good encouragement. You know, I I even think about, yeah, how good Christian community is. Yes, we enjoy it so much. It's such a blessing to us to be with like-minded people, to feel encouraged, to feel the joy of Christ. And you know what, if anything, our Christian community on this side of eternity is just a glimpse of what eternity would be like. And one thing that I think should encourage us is how many more people should be part of this community that aren't, right? And how many more people can we bring into the fold, so to speak? How many people have not heard? And is it fair that we are enjoying the benefits of this without inviting others? So thank you for sharing that, Melanie. I really appreciate hearing your stories and um, yeah, hearing about your work and your passions. And I know we find ourselves in a very unique point in history and time with a pandemic and, you know, we're facing very unique challenges, but yet missions is still going. Missions are still happening. People are hearing the gospel. Missionaries are being sent out. What is your final encouragement or, or one last word that you would like to give to students as they consider missions, particularly through a pandemic situation or context, right? What's what's one one encouragement that you would give them about missions in this point in time?
1: Something that I've uh, just personally been meditating on and thinking about during this um, pandemic season, because I do I do think that God is really good, and God is really gracious, and God is full of mercy, and I think. Um, There's a lot of things that are really difficult about this pandemic. There's a lot of things that um, a lot of ways in which people are hurting this pandemic. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I think that is uh, really good and kind of God is that all of us have had to slow down a lot, like the whole world, all at the same time, we have a lot less noise and busyness to our lives than we used to. And it's a lot of opportunity for reflection, a lot of opportunity for Kind of assessing where we've been um, individually, Mm -hmm. as a nation, you know, as the global world, and I think there are a lot of people that are have slowed down enough to process things in their life, recognize patterns of brokenness, recognize questions that they don't have answers to. I think um, there's probably been a lot of opportunities of people recognizing needs that they didn't recognize before because they filled it with other things, Mm -hmm. and so I think um both now immediately in the pandemic um and i think at in the aftermath of the pandemic when we're able to do life more deeply again i think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for um deep conversation and for harvest and so i would uh encourage you to be looking for those opportunities be praying about that and um yeah just like i was preaching last night like this peace and this joy and the security that we know in jesus like the human heart was long for like was made for and longs for and i think there are a lot of people that are recognizing um that longing but don't have the words to put to it don't know there's an answer available and i mean you guys have the treasure of christ you guys have um a hope that is secure and um i know that god will give you opportunities and um something I used to do when I was a student, when I was um, not always sure I was hearing the voice of God or not always sure when, when I would be being bold or when I would be being um, stupid and like trying to share with people, I would, I would go into a conversation and I would say, okay, God, um, if you open this door, I promise I'll walk through it. Um. So like, if this topic comes up, then like, okay, then I'll know it's you and I'll, I'll share or, you know, if they ask me these kinds of questions, like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I'll know it's you, and I'm gonna, I'll yeah. share. And that was one way that I, like, kind of partnered with the Spirit, and yeah, God yeah. good, and was, he gave me those opportunities, and like, okay, boom, that's what I asked for, there it is, like, I know I can share.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, I know that God is here, I know God is in this conversation, and mm-hmm. so um, maybe that's a specific way that you can practically begin to think through that, and try to walk through that yourselves in conversations of,
2: Mm -hmm. just having
1: a conversation with the Lord and kind of pre-deciding with him like if you give me the opportunity I'll take it and that's like training wheels for boldness and um, just becoming more comfortable and feeling more equipped to do this yeah
0: thanks for that encouragement 100% true yes I think in in this season that we find our historic season we find ourselves in Yes, people are more open to processing things about their lives. And and maybe, just maybe, they might be uniquely poised to hear um, more about Christianity, more about why you believe what you believe. And so I want to encourage you guys listening to take this this to heart. Yeah, ask the Holy Spirit to open up a door for you. And when he does, take that opportunity, as Melanie said. What a great piece of advice.
1: And uh, one more thing that I just thought of um similar actually to so the part of the world that i serve in um the only ideas of christianity that people have are coming from people that are not christian
2: mm-hmm. and
1: when i am doing life with people when i'm sharing from my own mouth and my own life what it means to be a christian there's an opportunity for them to correct their understanding of what it means to follow jesus and if i'm not upfront about that if i'm not active in doing that all they have is um this dislike disfigured Mm -hmm. christianity and i think actually that's actually really similar for um, especially the students generation there's a huge population of unchurched
2: Mm -hmm.
1: people that have grown up and all that they've ever heard about christianity is from what's in the media or from um, sources that are not in some ways authentic to what it means to be a christian and so If you guys aren't doing life deeply with people, if you're not um, sharing from your mouth why you live the way you do, what you think and why you think it, Mm -hmm. all they're gonna be left with is this distorted version of Christian that they've heard about. And so, um, yeah, that's just one more encouragement to you of the value of um, having a close relationship with Jesus doing life closely with other people that allows them to um, be part of your world and see why you live the way you do. And then being really clear in your communication about what you think and why. Okay. Because there's a lot of distortions the enemy is trying to bring in to confuse people and shut down their hearts to Christ. Yes, And you have an opportunity to kind of counteract that as you're open with your, with your life.
0: Amen. So true, yes. As we live closely in close proximity to people, we will have clear ways and opportunities to communicate the gospel. That is so true. Thank you, Melanie, for sharing those encouragements, those pieces of advice, and for sharing your stories. We really appreciate your work and the way that you've blessed our community here this past week. Um, Definitely, we'll be praying for you, and uh, yeah, we'll be cheering you on from here, Chi Alpha at UVA. Um, Thanks again for hanging out with us And for all our listeners, thanks for listening to this episode. We look forward to bringing more episodes to you in the future. But for now, we are signing off from the Anchor Room. See you guys later.
1: See you, UVA. Love you guys.
0: All right, guys. Have a good week. Bye-bye.